So I, uh, I really love and respect Pope Francis. I want to <laughs> read you uh, a portion of a sermon that he preached. Okay? The church must go out into the streets. It is true that going out on the street implies the risk of accidents happening, as they would to say any ordinary man or woman. But if the church stays wrapped up in itself, it will age. And if I had to choose between a wounded church that goes out on the streets and a sick, withdrawn church, I would definitely choose the first one. I prefer a church which is bruised, hurting, and dirty because it has been out on the streets rather than a church which is unhealthy from being confined and from clinging to its own security. He preaching there. I do not want a church concerned with being at the center and then ends by being caught up in a web of obsessions and procedures. If something should rightly disturb us and trouble our consciences, it's the fact that so many of our brothers and sisters are living without the strength, light, and consolation born of friendship with Jesus, without a community of faith to support them, without a meaning and goal in life. More than by fear of going astray, my hope is that we will be moved by the fear of remaining shut up within our structures, which give us a false sense of security within rules which make us harsh judges, within habits which make us feel safe, while at our door people are starving and Jesus does not tire of saying to us, you give them something to eat. Go out and share your testimony Go out and interact with your brothers. Go out and ask them questions instead of being just a church that welcomes and receives by keeping the doors open. Let us be a church that finds new roads, that is able to step outside itself and go to those who do not attend mass or service, who have quit or they're indifferent. We cannot keep ourselves shut up in parishes, in our communities, when so many people are waiting for the gospel. If we want to advance in the spiritual life, then we must, we must constantly be missionaries. It's not just about them, is it? It's about you and me. Ask yourselves this question. How often is Jesus inside and knocking the door to be let out? We do not let him out because of our own need for security. Because so often we are locked into ephemeral structures that serve solely to make us slaves and not free children of God. See, what he's saying is Jesus is not meant to stay inside the church, people. He needs to be unleashed. Jesus isn't meant to stay within church within these four walls. He was meant to be unleashed, and so are we. Can I get an amen? amen? See, we need to shift. When I say we, I'm talking about the larger church in America. Shift this mentality from our doors are open. Come find us too. Let's go out. Let's go out. So we've been in the sermon series called Sent. Living a life on mission. And our launching passage was John 17, the prayer of Jesus in verses 13 to 21. And the key verse from the passage is verse 18 where Jesus, just as you have sent me, let's read this together. Come on, let's read this together. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Sent is the word missio in Latin, from which you get the word mission or missionaries. And Jesus is profoundly saying here that, 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 that our, 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 our very reason for existence is to be on mission. And we, for this sermon series, have been trying to deconstruct so many misconceptions, I think, within the Christian life. Mission isn't just about getting on a plane and going overseas. Mission often entails going across the street. Mission isn't about recruiting converts. Mission is about loving our neighbors. Mission isn't just about 
pastors and professionals and seminary students, but it's something that all of us have been called. Mission is about asking God, where are you at work and joining him in on that? We got some crazy people in our church. You know that? There are people in our church. These are testimonies I'm hearing of, of people that are on mission. Here's some examples of people that are on mission, okay? It, it looks like this college kid, okay, college student who's, who's, uh, sharing, who's on Uber, right, okay, and gets into a conversation with the driver, and the driver's Muslim. And this conversation eventually, you listen, this kid actually going, will you meet me for lunch some point? Because I want to share with you who God is. It looks like a couple in a neighborhood who realizes that they live the the call to be on mission, and they realize that maybe the first thing is just getting to know their neighbors. As they get to know their neighbors, they're getting to know a young couple, and they realize their marriage is struggling. The reason why their marriage is struggling is both of them work two jobs, and they barely have any time. They have three kids. So this couple being on mission is, we're going to take care of your kids so you can go out on a date. Mission. Mission also looks like. This dude sitting back there, 60-some years old. He puts up drywalls for a living, okay? And before he puts up drywalls, he actually has the audacity to say to all the other workers, and many of them in their 20s, 30s, he goes, we're going to put up some drywalls for Jesus. <laughs> and a bunch of them roll their eyes and go, whatever. But once in a while, he says, somebody will come up and go, tell me about that guy, Jesus. Hey. Mission is all of these and then some, you see? Now, the two anchoring things in this huge passage that we've been able to sort of unpack is is two things. One one is that God is a ascending God. God is ascending God. God God is ascending. It's in his nature. Missions is never supposed to be a department in the church. It's a description of the very character of God. Come on. He's... He's constantly seeking, healing, restoring, and it culminates him in sending his one and only son to be a what? A missionary. And I was saying, anybody that gets near to this God, your heart begins to beat for mission. You can't help it. By the way, if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad that you're here. Because this is one of the things, can we just all agree, church, that we in the church, Christians, we, 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 we struggle with this. Is that amen? We struggle with it. And I'm so glad you're here because the essence of Christian life is what we're talking about. The essence of Christian life is ascending God. Here's the second portion, sending us then. There's this amazing work that Jesus has sent into the world to do to restore, reconcile all things, us and God, us to each other and creation. That ministry doesn't end when Jesus ascends to heaven. He gets a group of people and he goes, now it's, it's your job. Matthew 28, so go and make disciples of all nations. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and of the earth. See, the, here's a powerful irony. Even though God doesn't need us, he says, I want you to be on mission. And while we desperately need God, we don't want him most of the time. God says, I have, a, I have a job for you. It's not to come sit once a week in church. It's not to get together in small groups once a week. It's to be on mission, seeing where I'm at work and joining me in on that God sends us. And everything we do, everything we do flows out of that. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say something that's going to offend some of you, okay? That's okay. Healthy community, healthy community, flows out of unified mission and not the other way around. Oh, somebody resonates with this. <laughs> Healthy community flows out of unified mission and not the other way around. See, Jesus, the one who comes and says, I've come to what? Seek and save that which is lost. Gets together a group of people and says, what? Come follow me and I will what? Make you Fishers of men, he's saying, come follow me and I'm going to give you something to give your life to. That is a statement of mission. But when they pursued mission together, they found community like they had never experienced before. Don't get it twisted, church. See, we in American church want to provide community first before mission. And it turns into this me-focused, us-focused, consumer Christianity. And God goes, look at our mission statement. We seek to be a city within its mission that unifies us to pursue it together. 
We find the sending God sending his people from Genesis to Revelation. My job today, I need to lay some biblical anchors. And actually, I'm going to call my good friend Beth, who is the director of evangelism for our entire denomination. We're going to get real practical. I'm not very good at practical stuff, you know. I just yell and scream and I go, do it. And you go, how do we do it? To talk about amongst yourselves, you know, how to do it. Well, today we have someone who's going to help us, help us figure some of that out. But I want to lay a solid biblical, look, listen, listen. For some of you, you guys are like, the, the, these are themes that are so integrated in scripture. How do we miss it? How do we miss this? How do those who grew up in church, how do we miss this? That this is at the center of God's heart. How does that happen? So you see, how does that happen? How do we turn this thing into consumer Christianity? How does that happen? It's what, how, I, don't, I don't understand if you, if you don't actually read the Bible. It's impossible not to go, he's ascending God who sends us. It's not about me. Like, okay. Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abraham, leave. Christianity is about leaving. It's about going. It's about sending. Your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I'll bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses shall curse. We don't like that part. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord told him, foundational Christianity is that God doesn't bless you just for you. He blesses you so you could be a blessing unto others. Are you living that? We move quickly to Exodus chapter where God finds his people enslaved in Egypt for 400 years and he sends a deliverer by the name of what? Moses. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7, the Lord said, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt and I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers and I'm concerned about their son. How, how many of you know that God hears the cries of your heart? How many of you know that God sees your suffering? I love that about God. The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So here it is again. So what? So say it with me. So what? Go. I'm sending you. Bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt, and I'll be with you. By the way, every time God sends you, he always says, well, I'm with what? I am with you. His presence is all, you don't go, I am with you. Don't worry about what you'll say. I'll give you words to say. I'll give you courage in the midst of fear. Love that about God. And we, we quickly jump ahead to chapters, Exodus 19, where people have been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They're about to enter a covenant relationship with the living God, and God has a mission for them. Exodus 19, verse 3, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. You, pay attention to these verses, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God rescues them for a purpose. God rescues them for a reason. And that isn't to get together once a week in small groups and talk about, isn't it great to be delivered from Egypt? God says, I have a plan. I'm giving you an identity and a mission. What's your identity? You're a holy nation. We'll get to that. And a kingdom of priests. What does a priest do? Priest mediates for the divine. A priest shows the world what that God that you're representing is like. And God is literally saying, I am looking for a people who will be my hands, feet, and mouth to show the world what I'm like. See, a church, the church isn't necessarily a new idea, is it? It's just a rebirth. From the very beginning, God's been going, Tommy, Tommy. You're taking notes. That's great. Tommy, Tommy. God's going, I'm looking for a body. I'm looking for a flesh and blood body that will show the world 
what I'm like. <sighs> Throughout the Bible, you and I are reminded, if you're a follower of Jesus, we don't just have a message. We are the message. The medium is the message. You are my message, your life, your redemption, my rescue. To show the world what I'm like. Listen, we all could do much better at inviting friends to church and worship. Anybody? We all utilize those Easter cards. We could all do much, much better at being more bold at inviting people. But can I tell you something? You know what they're really interested in? Your life. You know what they're really concerned about? Do you live it? Do you live it? Are you really any different because of Jesus? Does it make you more compassionate? Does it make you more just and less self-righteous at the same time? Does it make you treat people that you disagree with with kindness and respect? Does it make you more radically generous in ways that the world is just blown away? Does it make you any different? Your life is an invitation. My life is an invitation. We are the message. Centuries later, the Apostle Peter picks up the same things in Exodus 19. Don't you love that about the Bible? That there's... So Peter is reflecting back on Exodus 19 as he writes to a group of Christians in the first century in Rome. And listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy... Na- there it is. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Here is why you can't help but talk about Jesus if you've encountered him. You do it in every other realm. You declare the praises of that doctor who has been incredibly helpful to you, to all your friends. Don't you declare the praises of some actor, some stupid actor for crying out, and the movie that stirred your heart to your friends. When a great music, this happened this week, when great music grips you, what do you do? What do you do? When great music, see, see, when great music, I, what do you do? You lose it and you go, you grab somebody, you go, come, you bring them over to the house, you give them the nicest chair. You, go, you want something to drink? You want something to drink? But I have the best headphone. Check this out. Listen, listen. What are you doing? What are you doing? What do, I, what do I do? What are we doing? We are white. For the love of that music and for love of that friend, you're declaring the praises of that music. You're declaring the glory, the beauty, and the impact that that music has had on your life into his life. We do it in every other realm. Now, here's the thing, though. When you do that, sometimes your friend goes, Bad. They may even go, I've heard better. This is so instructive. When they do that, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Here's what I don't do. I don't debate them about why my music is better. Are you tracking with me? I don't argue with them about why my music is better. And I certainly don't ridicule them, put them down, or cut off our relationship. I don't keep pounding. Do you know why? A heart could only be unlocked from the inside. Do you hear that? Our job is simply to declare. It's up to God, the Holy Spirit, to unlock their hearts. So what I do is I go, man, maybe one of these days, come to see the glory of that music and why it's the most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced in my life and you continue to love them you continue to serve them my friend Rick Richards was here a couple weeks ago talked about evangelism I love the way he demystified it didn't he he said evangelism is simply what 
declaring what God has done for you. Can I just, I got to ask, has God done anything for you lately? Has God done anything for you lately? Has anybody in this room been delivered from something that you were stuck in? Declare the praises of him. Has anybody in this room gotten a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance? Declare the praises of him. Has anybody in this room experienced even a small bit God's provision and faithfulness? All we're asked to do is declare. Will you be that generation? Will you be that generation that will no longer separate what the church has separated? Will you be the church that says it's both proclamation and demonstration? I want to show you the Jesus that didn't just feed the 5,000. He also told them why he is the only true bread that will ever satisfy their hunger. Live out your life as a demon. Oh, I'm preaching to myself, church. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. By the way, I just love. I'm sorry. I'm just going on a mass tangent. I love the fact that there are real people in our church. You can sit here this morning and go, God has delivered me from some things. There are people out there in your workplace and your who are struggling with the same things, and they don't need an argument. They don't need an apology. They just need somebody to go, I share what God has done for me. Maybe he could do the same for you. Dear friends, verse 11, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. This is so odd. you know what Peter is writing to? Peter is writing to Greeks living in Greek cities. And Romans, living in Roman cities. And he says what? You are a, a foreigner. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, when you become a Christian, follower of Jesus, in a profound way, you become a foreigner and an exile to the land you're living in. Echoing words of Jesus in John 17. Though you are in the world, you're what? Not of it. You're distinct, remember. Brian, remember you're holy. Remember you're to be different. Remember you're set apart. Last week we talked a little bit about personal holiness. It got real quiet in here. Because I challenged some of you and said this. In a culture where it's culturally, socially acceptable to be about justice and compassion, God also deeply cares about the fact that you're not sleeping with your boyfriend. that you don't watch porn, that you don't gossip and slander and tear people down, that you don't cheat on your taxes, that you don't lie to your bosses, that your public life and your private life are integrated. That's what integrity means, of the same. It's both hand, not either or. It's both hand. Instead, verse 12, live such good lives among, see what? Um, among the pagans. Jesus, the Father sent me among you, I send you among. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And the word good deeds, take your notes, Tommy. Take your notes. Good deeds doesn't just mean moral good. We go good deeds and we think just moral character. No, no, no. Here's the other side of that. Good deeds means doing good. It means serving good. And Peter's echoing the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 12 when he says, you're the salt, you're the light. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Can I just say something real quick? Well-lit places don't need more light. We don't need more Christians in Christian environments being Christian. Can I get an amen? We need more Christians who will go out and scatter the darkness instead of blaming the darkness. Verse 12, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in 
heaven. So here's what living scent looks like. I'm almost done. I'm Beth up here soon. Without compromising our convictions. Hear me, please. Without compromising our convictions. Without compromising our convictions. Without withdrawing into the comforts of a Christian bubble. The Bible says you and I are sent into to live among, to engage deeply our neighbors, our cities, and our communities. Engagement deeply involves deep relationships. It means acts of service. The one who came to us and said, as I have washed your feet, now go wash each other's feet. But you cannot wash the feet of a dirty world if you refuse to touch it. How do you wash the feet of a dirty world if you refuse to touch it? He says, deeply engage and love your atheist neighbors, whether they believe or not, your Muslim neighbors, your Hindu neighbors. Love them, serve them, and if necessary, lay down your life for them. And when we do that, the world will, I'm going to end with this, accuse you of doing wrong and praise your Father in heaven. This is so instructive, especially in our culture today. On the one hand, when you live the way of Jesus, the world will accuse you of doing wrong, even when you do right. Do you know why that's so powerful for me? Because for some of us, if we never get accused, if we never suffer, it's because either we've withdrawn or our lives are remarkably unremarkable. And people go, you're just like me. <laughs> Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of... I said this before. If you're persecuted for being a Christian jerk, that's on you. Persecuted for righteousness, though, you will. And just one perspective real quick. We live in America where Christian persecution comes in the form of social awkwardness. Oh. There are parts there. <laughs> Christian persecution f- comes in the form of, so what do you do, Peter? I'm a pastor. Oh, well. <laughs> do you know that even as you and I sit here worship today, persecution for millions of Christians in the world means life or death? Let's get some perspective. American church, let's get some perspective. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of in this country for being a Christian? Jesus says in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind, it hated me first. Who would hate Jesus? Who would hate Jesus? And yet they did. And he says, if you follow me, they'll hate you too. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. They will misunderstand your motives. They will misunderstand tensions. And when you do, get don't go, How, what in the world is happening? Be gentle. Be humble. Love them. And bear witness for Jesus. And he says this. But on the other hand, there's another response you'll draw from the watching world, and that is, help, they'll praise your Father in heaven. I don't think that means that they will all come to know Jesus as a result. You know what I think that means? See, see, I, I was really struck by this. I think what this is saying, when it says they'll praise your Father in heaven, is other responses. It's saying that if you live as a foreigner, that you don't conform to the pattern of this world, you maintain your biblical values and convictions, but at the same time, you deeply engage the world, and you come close, you love your neighbors, you serve them. Do you know what I think will happen? I think people will look at you and resort to Jesus as the only explanation for your life. They'll go, I don't know if I even believe in Jesus. I frankly don't even know him. But I think there's something about this Jesus in his life that makes him the way he is. I don't even, I, I'm certainly not even a Christian. I don't even know if I believe, but there's something. How else can Doug treat people who disagree with him politically 
with such kindness and compassion. How else does Brian, if not for Jesus, be so radically generous? How else, if not for Jesus, does Heidi live with such joy and freedom from the world? How? I don't even believe in Jesus, but it's got to be something to do with Jesus. Anybody saying that about you? Anybody saying that about me? I have a lot of people going, well, he has to be like that. He's a, he's a professional Christian. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to end with this thought, have you thinking, do you know the powerful and the most powerful way I think we could be witness to Jesus in our day today? Ephesians 4.15, we will speak truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Jesus, who is the head of his body, the church. I'm going to end you this question. Can you put that up? What if? There are Christians walking around the city of Chicago who are biblically orthodox, but radically loving at the same time. Woo! See? Already you're like, is that even possible? Do you understand? Do I understand that more than ever, we need Christians who will boldly speak up and live truth? We live in a time of alternative facts. Good Lord! We live in a time in which people actually go on national television and go, truth, what the heck is truth? Truth for you, truth for me, truth, truth. We live in that time. Do you think there was another more critical time for Christians who will humbly but boldly say, there is such thing called truth and his name is Jesus. More than ever, we need people who will do that. But, 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 our culture thinks when you see someone who goes, there is such thing as truth, they expect you to be self-righteous, judgmental, unloving, argumentative. So what would happen if in the city of Chicago, Monday morning, a group of people walked out of here and they were both, I stand for truth. But they're more loving than anyone they've ever City of Chicago will not know what to do with you. They'd be like, choose. Are you a Democrat or Republican? I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you liberal or are you conservative? I'm a follower of Jesus. The more they see Jesus in you, the more they want to follow him. Can we be truthful people or radically loving? I don't know how to do that. You figure that out yourself, okay? I'm just kidding. Beth, please come on up. Everybody give Beth a big hand. Big, big hand. Everybody give Beth a big hand. As Beth comes up, Beth Severson, as I mentioned, is the director of evangelism for our denomination. And Beth and her team have worked tirelessly to come up with an evangelism initiative called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, that practically gets to how it is that you and I could be on mission. And I told you guys this four weeks ago when we launched this, that Beth will be able to share a little bit with us about, these are real practical ways, Beth, how we could go about living the way of Jesus. So tell us real quickly about how did BLESS initiative come about? Oh, there we go. There we go. So I'm on a team called Make and Deepen Disciples. Isn't that cool? I love that. And um, we've just been looking and kind of researching and thinking about um, how can we help people just more naturally move forward in sharing their faith with people, helping their friends come to know Jesus in a way that fits us, that feels comfortable. So... um, I think often people get stuck, kind of you were using the word stuck a little bit ago, in sharing their faith, and uh, we have all these barriers, right? We want to be culturally sensitive. Uh, we don't want to say anything that might harm someone. We don't want to be awkward either, and um, you know, we don't want to get rejected because we want to continue to have a relationship with someone, or sometimes we really just don't know what to say, and we feel stuck. So BLESS is all about that. It's just about helping all of us to, to have an approach to sharing our faith that's really natural. 
where we don't really need to download a script. We don't have to have something memorized that doesn't fit us. We're just natural. We can be authentic and intentional at the same time. So that's what BLESS is all about, kind of setting us free um, and have a pathway really also for helping people to move forward and taking steps closer to Jesus. So that's what BLESS is about. Okay, yeah. Beth, can we just jump in? Yeah. And let's go, th- let's go through the five, okay. the B-L-E-S-S, and five ways of, yeah. of being on mission. Yeah. So as we do that, um, we're going to jump right in to begin with prayer. And I just want to say that this is a way that we get to collaborate with God. Yeah. Right? He's already there working in our friends' lives. And Bless is really built on that fact that God's already shown up. Yes. And we get to join him, and we don't do this alone. We do it with God in community with him. So we begin to pray for people, right? But we kind of start praying with ourselves, like, God, where have you sent me? I'm sent. That's my identity. Yeah. So where have you sent me, and to whom have you sent me? And then um, where can I join you in what you're already doing? It's kind of like being a detective in prayer. Mm-hmm. We're listening to God on behalf of people. And then we're listening to people on behalf of God. So we're asking God, how do you want to, to use me to bless the people in my yeah. life that you've sent me to? Mm. Yeah. So then we have a bless list. Yeah. And an easy way to remember the bless list is you're starting to think about, you know, who is God sending me to? So who are mm. the people in my circle of influence? Mm. And um, some folks call it a frank list because it's a little bit easier to remember. So who are my friends, mm. relatives, acquaintances? neighbors and colleagues or co-workers right in my own life that Jesus has sent me to and how can I begin Lord to be a part of the transformation process that you want to do in their life Mm. and then asking God to just direct you in your prayers you know praying that they will be overwhelmed by the love of God right that they'll begin to trust a Christian that God would awaken their curiosity Just overwhelm them with the fact that he loves and accepts them. Mm. And then they'll start to really come under a sense of almost conviction. Mm. And I'm talking about, you know, we're praying for people that we sense that they are far from God. God's just kind of given us that awareness that they perhaps are journeying towards him. And we can show up in their lives and help them with that journey. So, yeah, that's beginning with prayer. Mm. So the next step. Yeah, listening, listening. You know, I know when I'm listened to, I begin to feel valued, right? Like I'm important and I'm significant. And so these are five missional practices that we do every day in life. Mm. We listen every day, right? Uh, We pray for, for something. We listen. We eat together with people. We serve them. We story every day. But it's about vectoring them outward Mm. Mm. towards those we think we have that sense They're far from God, and God wants to draw them near, and we get to be a part of that. So we're listening. We're listening to them, and we're getting clues about where God's working in their life, Mm. what their pains are, what their struggles are, um, and so that we can better love them, so we can better bless them. Mm. That's why we get curious. Uh, Peter asked if I'd share a couple stories, and so I'll jump in with one about Mo. Mm -hmm. So at the $10 gym a month I belong to, Um, I just recently jumped up on a a new machine for me, and there was a woman next door next to me doing it too. So I just kind of said, hey, my name's Beth, what's yours? And could you just help me get started on this? I think it was a Stairmaster and hadn't done for a long time, and they had a new machine. And so she kind of helped me type in the thing. And then we talked for a moment, and I said, hey, Mo, could I just follow you around the gym for 10 minutes and kind of do what you do? (laughs) I'd love to change up my routine, no kidding. And so that's what we did. And at the end of the 10 minutes, we're like laying on a mat. We're working on our abs and whatever. And, you know, we're just chit-chatting it up, right? And so I looked over at her and I said, we're almost done. And I just looked at her and I said, hey, this was really fun. Um, tell me, I'd just love to hear this from you. What are you, um, what are you looking forward to in your mm. life, Mo? What are you looking forward to? Mm. And she got really quiet and a little misty-eyed and she goes, peace, mm. peace. And I was like, really, can you unpack that a little bit? I'd really love to hear more. Mm. And Mo started to share with me that five years ago, she started dating a guy. And within about a month to six weeks, he started dropping things. Mm. And one time he backed into the, into the garage door. And within a matter of months, he became like a child. He lost all his motor skills, and he, he lost his ability to think and reason. He lost his job, his uh, house, and his kids. 
And so she just, she just did the right thing. She took him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, she spent her days like getting him ready for the day, feeding him, run off and get him in a safe place, run to work, come back, feed him, get him to bed. And she did this for five years. And she said, we just went to the doctor three weeks ago. And they said, Mo, his care is beyond you. He has to be in a facility. You've done what you can, but we, we have to put him in a facility. Mm. She said, so now I get up in the mornings, I come to the gym, and she goes, I'm going to tear out of here at 8 o'clock, mm. and I'm going to go have breakfast with him before mm. I go to work. And I'm mm. going to come back, and I'm going to have dinner. And she said, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what my life is like now, and I'm praying for peace. Mm. And, you know, by that time, I'd kind of reached out, and she reached out. We, no kidding, are laying on the mat, holding each other. She's sobbing. And, and I can't believe nobody's around as I'm just trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and, and walk through this situation. And I simply said, can I pray for you, Mo? Mm. And I sensed God saying to me to pray to her, I love you. You have served me well. I love you like a father. And I'm just praying this for her. Mm. And I am so pleased with the sacrifice that you have made in your life for this guy. So that's just like listening, right? You're just, you're just trying to follow the Holy Spirit with that. So I'll just keep moving forward. So eating together, eating together, right? We love to do that. Don't we love the table and the fellowship that happens at the table? And so it's taking that simple practice we do all the time and vectoring it outward and saying weekly, like waking up in the morning, you can do this, say, Father, who do you want me to eat with today? Like, where can I join you in that? Because it's really about developing community, with someone journeying towards the Lord mm. and helping them in that process. And when we, we have community, we're just deepening our relationship. Mm. Yeah, so eating together and then um, serving one another in mm-hmm. love. So mm-hmm. as we pray and listen, right, and then as we eat together mm-hmm. and have community, mm-hmm. we are so going to learn how to serve people. Mm. But it's also reciprocal. Like, like, we learn, we've heard how to serve them, and we allow them to serve us back. Like, it's an exchange, right, of services. And um, doing things for one another just deepens that relationship. And it might even be journeying together, serving someone else. So it could look a lot of different ways. Might be doing service in your community together with a friend who's unchurched and just deepening that relationship. So then, when we've done all that, we've walked that quick, journey. Right? So yeah. one story I just want to share. Yeah, do Again, all these stories of mission. There's a guy in our church uh, who is your kind of the, the oh, I don't want to talk about Jesus. He, even, even saying, I love Jesus, he's like, you know, he's one of those, right? And he and I were talking one time, and he goes, do you know what I love doing to be a witness for Jesus? I go, what? He goes, there's a Vietnam vet that lives across the street. And uh, one day he was going to go in for work, and he needed to wear a suit. He's never worn a suit. So he didn't know how to wear a tie, he put on a tie. And so he called this guy from our church that have gotten each other well. Oh, he said, do you know how to tie a tie? To which this guy comes to church and goes, yeah, I know how to tie a tie. He's like, will you come over and help teach me how to tie a tie so I could look presentable for work? So this guy comes to our church, walked over, helped him tie a tie. And so he walked on and he said, that moment of just tying the tie from teaching this Vietnam rough that he said open doors and just allowed him in that simple act of service to deepen their friendship and I, I got I mean I started tearing up just hearing that story right I was like it's yeah kind of cool I guess but it just reminds me of what you're talking about we don't think in those ways but those are all powerful ways of serving in the name of Jesus that's a love okay I'm sorry, so lastly is... I love that. Yeah, so the last one really is sharing your story. story. I love that. Yeah, Yeah. and and so now we've really, Uh. what, we've learned the right, we've kind of earned the right to do that. Like, we've heard their story. We've asked that. We've asked about them. We've loved them. We've, we've hung in there together. We've had coffee. And, and what I love about Bless, it's, it's not a bait and switch. Uh-huh. I mean, we're talking about lifetime authentic relationships, right? Yeah. And sometimes we're stuck in those, and we just don't know, like, what's the next stepfather to help this person? Yeah. And so now if we've done these things, it's the time that we get to share our story. Mm. Um, and we mm. pray for that opportunity. Mm. But I guess what I'd want to say here, too, is that it's like Peter said, so important to write 
to demonstrate, and I think to lead with that often, lead with demonstration, mm. but that we also have to articulate, yeah. right? Articulate God's story to people. And we live the gospel, but we also share the gospel because it's a gospel of yes. word and deed. Yes. And I think demonstration yes. is so, like, I don't want to do it without that. Like, that's just so important. But there is a time and place to tell a story. Yes. So we get to tell our story. And I'm not really thinking so much about um, the testimony. It could be your conversion story. But what just about a story of how God is changing your mm-hmm. life right now? Mm-hmm. Like, a way that mm-hmm. he's shown up in your life. Or it could even be something like someone recently said to me, Hey, I notice you're not so harsh as you used to be. <laughs> well, Bless the Lord, you know. I mean, really, I love that. You know, God is working in my life. So that's just a simple story I could share. Um, But it's just in an authentic, real way. How has God recently transformed your life, showed up? Maybe maybe you have a deeper sense or you you sense something shifting within you. It's just telling that, telling that story. So do it in a way, right, that avoids the cliches and all that jargon. It's just a simple, heartfelt Mm-hmm. story and it doesn't even have to be very long mm-hmm. it's it helps awaken curiosity and it helps people's imaginations to click yeah. oh that's what it might look like for me to follow jesus mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. in a moment we're going to all participate in mm-hmm. one of these five missional practices so mm-hmm. just before we do peter asked me if i would just kind of share one more story with you and so i'm picking a story not of telling my story but mm-hmm. kind of of telling god's story so yeah. what does that look like so I've been a commuter for like six years between Kansas City and Chicago, and sometimes I fly, but sometimes I take trains. So I jumped on this train in Naperville to go to KC, and um, I love to head to the observatory car and spread out and you know, read and write and stuff. But there, before you get there, you've got to give the ticket master your ticket. So I'm waiting for that, and there's a young couple sitting with me, and they've got this newborn. They're bouncing on their lap, and I just kind of say, yeah, tell me your story. Like, I'd love to hear about you. And um, they told me, oh, we, he's farming and she's teaching and they're doing it overseas among marginalized people. Mm. And so I said, I love that. I have a daughter. She's thinking about teaching in a distant classroom in China. Mm. And this young woman said to me, well, I'd love to talk to you more about that. I said, okay, well, you know, for the next six hours, I'm going to be up in the observatory car. Come up anytime. Mm. So three hours later, along comes mom and dad and the newborn. Mm. And they sit down in this booth across from me, and she just throws up that blanket. She gets ready to snuggle and nurse that baby, so I know we're going to have a good conversation. So I'm just praying, Father, Holy Spirit, show me, show me where to go with this. So I kind of say, oh, so how long have you guys been married? Oh, about a year and a half. And I said, awesome. And I hear that they're taking the baby home for the first time to meet the grandparents and keep praying. So uh, what do you love about your marriage? So they tell me what they love about their marriage. And I said, so what's a challenge for you in your marriage? And they have a great time, each of them telling me what's hard, the hard places in their marriage. And so being millennials and being great conversationalists, they just kind of toss that ball back at me, Mm. right? And they said, tell us, Beth, what do you love about your marriage? And so I did. It was really fun. And then, of course, they asked me what, right? What's hard for you in your marriage? What's the challenge? And I had a blast because Mark was not with me. So I just went ahead and told them, told them all about the challenges in my marriage. And so, we're, you know, we're laughing together. And I said, I know. I said, you guys are Baha'i, right? Mm. Tell me, what do you love mm. about your Baha'i faith? Mm. And so they told me. And then I said, all right, so what's a challenge with Baha'i? Mm. And she jumped in and she goes, I know, I know. She goes, it's unity and diversity. That's our core value. I mean, how do you do that? Mm. And I am thinking, Jesus, is this it? Because you do that really well. Mm-hmm. You're all about unity mm-hmm. and diversity. And I really felt restraint. So um, mm. I'm just about to think of something else. And she says, she tosses the ball back. So Beth, what are you? And I said, like, what am I? And she goes, yeah, religiously, like, we're Baha'i, so what are you? Mm. And I said, me? Oh, that's easy. I go, I just, I totally love Jesus. And I'm smiling at her. <laughs> and she goes, really? And I go, I mean, like, like radically I love Jesus. I just love Jesus. Mm. And she said, tell us, what do you love about Jesus? And I knew that the Holy Spirit had just been bringing this moment. And I said, do you guys like stories? Mm. Because I love stories. Mm. And they did. And I said, well, how about if I just tell you a story from Jesus' life? Mm. And that'll just kind of illustrate, like, why I love him. And I'm praying, and I'm asking the Spirit guide Mm. me here. 
And the woman of the well just comes to mind. Oh, and I begin to just tell the story yes. of a marginalized yes. woman, right? Mm. That Jesus, just by talking with her, mm. by asking for a drink, begins to elevate her status, right? She's there in the middle of the day when there's no other women at the well, right? They're there in the morning, the yeah. evenings, chit-chatting about their day. But where is she? And where are they? Yeah. Nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And so I go on in the story, and then I pause, and I said to this couple, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, mm. I'm probably boring you, mm. rattling on like this. Mm. And he said, whom I had long thought before I checked out, oh, no, we have never heard this story. Mm. Please tell mm. us more. Mm. So that's just, you know, me, just simply me. Your story will look different, but how do I get to Jesus' story? Sometimes I tell mine. Sometimes I just jump in with his. So now we get to participate, I think, in in one of these missional practices. So what we'd love you to do is pull out that green card in the pew, that connection card, and just take just a prayerful moment. This is just a practice. We're going to do more of it Mm -hmm. later. But today, just think of one, two, maybe three people that might be on your blessed list. You can use the Frank list if it helps. Friend, relative, acquaintance, neighbor, colleague that you kind of sense God is sending you to. How do you know he sent you? If you got, I'm sorry, real yeah, quick. Go, go. If you don't, yeah, if you're not near a card, we've got ushers that are coming forward. I want every single person that's in here to participate in this today. So please make sure you have a card before we launch into praying. So if everybody in the next 15, 20 seconds could make sure that you have a card and something to write with. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so when you get your card, write down a name or two. Someone on your blessed list that you think God wants you to bless. Mm, mm. And we're going to spend some time mm. together praying. Mm-hmm. This might be totally new for you, and you actually might be in this room, and you're on a journey, possibly towards Jesus. You don't know for sure yet. It's really okay. Maybe write a name down of a friend that you just long to see some healing in their life or something shift in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We'll do that for a moment, and then we'll tell you the next thing we're going to do. Again, church, as we've said throughout the sermon series, and as Beth reminded us, it's all about joining God in the work that he is doing. So let's listen and be attentive to the leading of the Holy Spirit as he brings to mind faces and names. These are folks that could be right here in Chicago, but also folks overseas somewhere. It could be just about anywhere. Just be attentive to the Spirit of God. And, and, and he, He's going to prompt us to jot down the names of these men and women and children. He loves more than you and I will ever know. You and I will ever know. So take a moment to be attentive and listen. And as Beth mentioned, I'm just particularly this morning sensitive to anybody in here who's on a journey. You might not know where you stand with God or Jesus this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Maybe a simple prayer for you this morning. Maybe on that card, which you'll keep. Is God, will you show yourself to me? God, will you reveal yourself to me? whatever else prayer you might have. Prayers are simply at the end of the day talking to God. So just tell God what's on your heart. So now, we're just going to ask you to turn to someone you're sitting with, someone behind who, two or three. And as you feel comfortable, Just lift up a really short, simple prayer for that person. 
if you're new here, if, if this is uncomfortable for you, you can just pass. Mm-hmm. Just reflect on what God's doing in your life, what he's saying to you. Yeah. But just take this moment to kind of lean over your pew and um, intercede for your friend. Yeah, guys, just turn to your neighbors. And again, if you're new or un- you're uncomfortable doing this, that's totally fine. It's totally fine. Just right where you are, you could just be you. Just be in prayer. But if you feel comfortable, just turn to your labor, to your left and to your right. It's a simple prayer. Simple prayer. God is at work. God is already at work. Worship team, if you guys could come on up. Get ready to lead us in the final song. love, love the prayers that are being lifted up. Declare, 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 declare. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray for us, and then we'll all stand in a minute. Let me pray for us as the prayers are continue being lifted up. Heavenly Father, the amazing truth is that you care and deeply love these men and women more than we will ever know. These names that are being lifted up, You care deeply about their story and who they are and who you've created them to be. So we simply come along and join you in asking God, how do we, as followers of Jesus, participate with you in pointing them to Jesus? It's all we want to do. It's all we want to do. So God, we, rep- we pray not just here today for these few minutes but we commit to praying regularly consistently that you would open their eyes that you would speak that they would know intimately of your love for them that they would sense you working in and among them And as we're about to do, God, help us to be people who will unabashedly declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. If there is anything worthy of declaration, it's you, your beauty, your majesty, your love. 
your faithfulness, your goodness. May the praises in this room flow out of these walls and fill the streets of the city of Chicago that people will come to know the Jesus who is alive and at work today. May we be tangible, visible expressions of the living God who rules and reigns today. So church, as Carlton and the worship team leads us, declare, declare, declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And may the praise declaration not end here, but may it go forth. Touch your homes, touch your neighborhoods, touch your streets in this city for the sake of his glory and his honor.